With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Bernbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking about This Is Us with star Mandy Moore and creator Dan Fogelman. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Mandy Moore and Dan Fogelman. Hi, thank Hello. you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> sure, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Likewise. So first of all, I have to say huge congratulations on season two. I mean, I can't imagine what pressure you felt going into it, but do you guys feel like you stuck the landing with the second season? I do, and I don't feel any pressure. You must feel all the pressure, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really proud of it. I mean, at the very, very beginning, I remember to, just the show had gotten so like popular so quickly, and so... When we sat down to write, like, the first episode of the second season, that was really the only time at the beginning I was like, wow, I, we have a lot to do, and we have to do it right. And so, but then I remember sending the cast, Mandy and the guys, the first script, and they're very nice, and then they started, like, texting me. We have a, like, cast text chain, and everybody was saying how excited they were about the script, and they were all, like, saying loving, lovely things that weren't, and then I was like... That literally took some of the pressure off. I remember feeling very anxious that the cast would like the first script back after all the time off. And then we were kind of off to the races. And then, like, the Super Bowl episode I knew was going to be big, and we'd, I'd been planning it for years. And so typically our directors and the editor, you know, do a cut. And then I come in and kind of get time out and do my thing. And so I kept saying to John and Glenn, our directors, like, I don't want to see it yet because I wasn't ready to watch something for the first time mm-hmm. that was that important. Sure. And they kept, John and Glenn have been doing this successfully, very successfully for a very long time, and they're very smart. And they were like, there's nothing to be stressed about, we promise. Like, we have some choices to make, and it's long, but, like, don't worry. And so, like, that was a huge relief, even when I sat down to watch it for the first time. So Wow. Yeah. What was your reaction when you saw the scripts for the second season? Um... You know, I I wasn't surprised, but I sort of was. I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised at the quality and the level of, like, how elevated the scripts were because it's Dan and we have an impeccable room of, of writers that work on the show as well. And I had faith that obviously, like, it was going to sort of follow suit with what season one was. Um, but I guess just so surprised at, like, the level of nuance and... I mean, we were just sitting upstairs listening to, like, all of the exciting stuff that's going to unfold in season three. And it's just like, where does this stuff come from? It's so, it's just like, it's it's incredible to me. It blows my mind. Like, the 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 
foresight to know what's coming. And like with a show like this, we Dan and our writers, like they have to sort of know the big picture of like what's going to happen throughout the course of five or six seasons, perhaps. So to know that and then to sort of like kind of jump back in time and, and sort of focus like, you know, season by season um, after that, it's uh, it just it seems overwhelming to me. You know, with an ensemble like this and so many stories to service and so many different directions that you could go. Um, so in that sense, like, I, I wasn't surprised. But, yeah, we're all continue. We're we continue to be, like, excited and giddy and elated, like, script by script. It's there's so much to look forward to on a show like this. And they're all very cool. Like, the cast doesn't because the nature of the beast of this thing is. There may be an episode where Mandy's character has a little less or doesn't have the showier stuff. And there may be an episode where Sterling's character doesn't or Milo's, you know, and it's never like any like, they often react strongest to the other people's stuff. Like oh, yeah. I'll be I'll be sitting and stressed out like uh, like Sterling is going to is a little late in this episode. And because just Rebecca Mandy has so much to do in it and I'll get stressed about it. And Sterling's. Like will actively text me, holy sh- that like Mandy, Mandy's. <laughs> you can curse. Okay, <laughs> holy shit, Mandy's uh, Mandy's stuff is incredible. Like, and he's so excited about it, and so it's always the opposite reaction from all of them that uh, then like what I stress about. I mean, the quality is there for everybody across yeah. the board all yeah. the time, so it's just like no one's ever concerned with like yeah. how light or heavy they are in an episode. You're so good about like giving all of us something to do, a lot to do throughout the course of the season, and it is so exciting. Like you know, Milo will, Milo and I will come in and we'll watch these episodes, and it's like, it's incredible to to read the scripts. But you know, obviously, so much of our work is sort of done so separately, so mm-hmm. sort of piecemealed. So to like come and watch these these episodes when they're completed is mind blowing. Like the work that everybody gets to do is is just like on another level. And I think there is some, you know, to that point, there is so much that happens in the editing too. I mean, we just watched the Super Bowl episode again and there's so many moments that come out that, you know, you, you probably didn't experience on set, but that get so emotional in the way the whole show was put together as a finished product. Yeah. I mean, often it's in the, um, our editors are like one of our great, great, great strengths on the show. And it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't get talked about nearly enough because it's a quiet job that lives like kind of in in the margins in terms of public awareness but often it's about we don't do a ton of takes i don't think compared to other kind of things i've done before if we do it's for coverage but not for the kind of key performances and close-ups especially of the emotional stuff and there's they have they're really adept at you know choosing takes often first takes and letting the air breathe underneath them and i think it's one of the things i always felt strongly about was we can't be cutting at like a more traditional network television pace we can't be chopping up these performances we can't be cutting to everybody on their exact line of dialogue in singles like this has to feel organic because the script and the words are a little heightened we don't talk as perfectly and eloquently in real life we talk this is like you know it's a tinge like more romanticized our Mm -hmm. language Mm -hmm. so the way to make that to own that is to not also manufacture it on on top of that and cut the performances up. So like when you're looking at Mandy's stuff in the Super Bowl episode, those are pretty much all these key huge emotional moments. Like her reaction to Jack's death is her first take in its entirety, and we did like three for safety as you do. Um, her take, which I think is like one of the strongest things I've seen on television in a long time, of telling Miguel that 
Jack has died and that she's going to go in and find kids. Mandy did, I was there that night and I left. Mandy did three takes that were not in the show. And this is very rare because it's always Mandy's first take. It almost lives in its entirety. Mandy did three takes where it's like, pour, it was kind of pouring out of her. <laughs> and, and, but it was like as stunning stuff as you'll ever see. And then I was there and I never, I was like, uh, I told, I, I remember talking with John and Gunn. I was like, I think we should do one where she's kind of gone. And the only thing she has left is strength. And I, don't, I barely any crying. And just because like, I, I just instinctually, I think we felt like we don't know how the whole, how emotional the entirety of the episode is going right. to be and what it's going to feel like. And that is one take of Mandy now cutting into performance. And I remember Glenn was like, I'll go tell her, but I mean, the poor kid was, I mean, she was pouring her guts out. <laughs> and Glenn was like, I'll go tell, I'll go tell her, but I'm a little scared too, because I don't think we need it. And I was like, I don't think we need it either, but I think it would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then they did. And then Mandy kind of went away and she came back. And that take, that one take that's in the show is like, you feel her like that. You can see her, you, her chin quivering mm -hmm. and she is finding power, but she's also gone. Like that character has died here. There's no longer, she no mm -hmm. longer exists. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so cool and so powerful. But again, it's one take, no cutting, no anything. I think we go to John once at the end and maybe once in the middle, but I don't even think, and it's just all one performance. That was a great note. Cause like with an episode that is so entirely emotional, it's like, I felt like I was living in this weird cloud of it was all so overwhelmingly sad yeah. mm -hmm. um, that you sort of start to not know which way is up and yeah. it was like that episode and then we did the funeral episode yeah. right after so it was just like like three or four weeks of just of, of preparing myself as best I could but like every day it was like putting on the battle armor and going deep and dark someplace that you don't want to spend a lot of time I, ne I never go to set anymore I mean, I rarely do just because the job is too intensive and I don't feel I have a lot of value there. I enjoy it because mm -hmm. I enjoy our crew and I like watching our cast walk, work live. But typically our directors are really good. We have writers on set that are keeping an eye on big picture stuff. And there's just not quite a role for me as much as I would love mm -hmm. there to be one. It's other than like, you know, bucking up the crew and showing yeah, my face. Yeah, morale. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, and I'm editing and writing and in the room and doing press or whatever is going on. It's all my fault. It's, uh, it's, uh, doing podcasts mainly. And, uh, it's all about the podcast. But, uh, but on those particular episodes, I went down a bunch of times because they were key scenes in our story and you just, I just kind of wanted to be there and see it. So for like a week, I would pop down to whatever location we are. Sometimes I'd barely see Mandy. I saw Mandy do her scene with Gerald McCraney. I saw Mandy do a bunch of stuff at the funeral. I saw Mandy watch Jack die. I saw Mandy talk with the doctor. And so for a week, I was showing up at places Where and just saying. Mandy, literally, I mean, like Breaking she's down. in a corner <laughs> and it was so sad. And I've told this story, but uh, on the last night we were shooting that scene, I was just talking about mm -hmm. of her telling her kids and I had to leave. Like I had to be into work at nine and it was like one in the morning. We don't often shoot late, late nights like that, but we were, it was getting late and Mandy had done her main performance. And I was just walking down the street with my assistant in silence. And I was like, we've got to set. Because I went, what happened was, have I told you this story? No, but it's okay. Tell it and, again. It's a great story. And, uh, and, uh, but I was, what had happened was, I was like, after, I knew Mandy's key performance was done and they were picking up shots and stuff now. 
And I was like, Mandy, I'm going to go. And she, I, I, I approached her too quickly after she was over. And trying to be kind, she goes, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And, her, and, and, and she was like weeping. And, and she was trying to be sweet. And I was like, oh, jeez, man. And so I was like walking down the street with my assistant going to our cars. It's like one in the morning. We're in like Hancock Park or wherever we are. I was like, Jake, maybe we'll like send Mandy flowers or something tomorrow or some cookies. And I was like, something just to cheer up. And he was like, yeah, okay. I go, remind me tomorrow. And he goes, yeah. And we walked for like another five minutes. And then Jake just totally serious goes, maybe we should send her a clown. <laughs> and I was like, what? I didn't even know what he was talking about. And he was like, if we sent her a clown like to her trailer? Because he, he had been watching it too and he couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and that's, that, that was where we were at. But it was two weeks of just, I mean, she deals with all the emotional stuff a lot. But this was like heavy duty for like two weeks spread. <laughs> I really would have loved the clown. I thought it would have been creepy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly why I, I, I was I don't know. I just I decided to get, I think I forgot <laughs> to send flowers. Sweet to, gesture, yeah. though. But it, it's the thought. Yeah. I thought about it. Well, there was something so innocent and sweet about like my young assistant who had really been watching it. I would be like, isn't she amazing? He goes, she's incredible. And he was really racking his brain trying to think of the appropriate remedy for the amount of sadness <laughs> she'd been playing. And he came up with a clown. Can, can, can we all request some happiness for her in the future? Yeah, well, I was just telling Mandy upstairs. She was just upstairs hearing about the third season, and there's two different shades of coloring, which really only an actress like Mandy could do, which is we're going to be in these two different time periods, and like where one is right in the aftermath of Jeff, Jack's death, and she's picking up the pieces, and it's not going well, and the other is this courtship period with a young, vivacious, kind of bushy-tailed Rebecca who has her whole life in front of her and has met the guy of her dreams. And these two colors of the same character in these two different time frames are going to be really interesting, I think. How do you feel about that? I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm ready to get back to work. Sounds like no age makeup. So there no you. age makeup, absolutely. Oh, no, she's doing that one, too. Oh, yeah. She's doing three. I was she's trying doing, for you. She's actually going to do four this year, which is a lot. Four? Yeah, four. What are the ages? Uh, I can't tell you all of them, but like she's going to... Well, pretty much... like. Everything we've seen. Yeah, so everything far. we've seen so far. And there's like in between stages of what we've seen too. So that's the secret one. Yeah. I'm excited to live in like the younger world where they have to like make me look younger than my actual age. That's, yeah. I'm down for that kind of work. Like, Kate, my wife says, she goes, I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, just, it would be great if like Mandy could be in the 70s clothes and the hats. Like, my wife, that's my wife's take. Like, she likes, she's so, she's so perfect Kate. on her. Yeah. She likes Mandy's hats. Like, I'll, I'll bring home, I'm like, babe, I'm like, I gotta show you this episode. I think it's one of the best things we've done. And I'm like, what do you think? She's like, I loved Mandy's hat. <laughs> Shout out to the costume yeah, designer. Yeah, she's yes, very good. Yes, I love it. How do you get your, Mandy, how do you get yourself into the headspace of Rebecca at all of these different ages? Do you, um, how conscious are you of it? It felt a lot more taxing, I think, when we were first starting out. Like that first, I mean, second episode of season one, where we were sort of trying out Rebecca present day, and we went through all of those makeup tests. Yeah. And then the, the first scene that we actually shot with um, with uh, William, with Ron, uh and, and that was sort of like the litmus test of like, is this going to be something we're going to be able to use moving forward? Or I remember you saying like, if if people across the board didn't buy it 100%, then obviously you would yeah. go the route of like casting an, an actress to play that role at that age. Um, so I felt a lot more pressure then, but I feel like, you know, we're 36 episodes in at this point and I've never done episodic television before this, but you sort of like, it feels familiar. It's like from the second you show up to work and 
you go through hair and makeup, it's like, I feel like that gives you the greatest indication of like, it sets the tone for the day. Like, okay, Milo's getting a fake beard put on <laughs> and I'm getting these like long hair extensions. Like it kind of gives you a moment to like collect yourself and go, okay, I know, I know how to inhabit these shoes. Um, so at this point it like, it feels pretty comfortable. It's the, it's the, the nuance of like what's happening in those time periods that obviously are, is always going to be like the fun challenge of the job. One of the cooler acting things I've seen, I think we've spoken about Deborah, but like one of the coolest things, acting things I've seen in a long time was in our final episode of this season. We have this kind of fantasy dream sequence. I was just going to bring that up. Oh, really? And that's a completely different Rebecca. I, and yeah. I didn't, I, we never, I, like Mandy doesn't like, whenever I like talk about Mandy like acting or being a serious actor, she giggles. And it's the same way when people talk about me as like a serious writer. It seems <laughs> ridiculous to me, but like. It's really true, and I keep saying it like as pretty and sweet and as much of a star as she is. Like, there's this dream sequence where uh, Jack, in Kate's head, there the version of what if Jack had survived Mm -hmm. in her head and was renewing his vows with the same aged older Rebecca. And the first time I saw it, because I don't go to set, and the first time I saw it, I was like, "What is going on here? Like, why am I so fascinated by this?" Because it wasn't something that was in the script pages, and it wasn't something that, frankly, I'd even thought of in my brain. But old Rebecca is carrying herself differently, mm-hmm. and to me, it looked like a slightly different iteration of the character. Mm-hmm. And then I think I just asked, I was like, "Mandy, were you doing that actively?" And I don't know what even what your process or process was, but I was like, "That wasn't like." It wasn't like in stage direction. It was written like Rebecca carries herself differently in this version of her life. And it was very subtle. It was the way like there's a slight hunch to Rebecca that there mm-hmm. wasn't there. And there was something in her eyes, which I don't know how you act like the eye, in the eyes. But it's really subtle, interesting, nuanced stuff. And, you know, the obvious reaction to that stuff was like, what a cool thing if Jack had been alive. But I was sitting in like I was watching her and being like oh this is a different version of Rebecca if her life had spun differently and I thought that was so incredible it was so interesting because this is a it was a Rebecca who hadn't experienced the loss which you feel every time you see older Rebecca yeah and also the tension that she feels with her children that exists in the Rebecca we've known but this Rebecca was just a completely different it was a clean slate Mm -hmm. but I think that's very kind of you but it can be attributed to the fact that like here was you know, Jack, here, yeah. here was this older version of Jack. Here was Milo, like, in this age makeup, and I was able to, like, hold hands and look him in the yeah. eye. And just being in that moment with him and being all together as a cast, you know, for the first time really yeah. ever, was, like, that was a real moment in time, and it wasn't lost on me. So it was so easy to play. Like, there was a distinct, like, difference of energy in yeah. the room and for those scenes that everybody felt. So it yeah. wasn't hard to tap into. How much are you running to her and her abilities at this point? Is, it, is there any challenge she can't take on? No, I mean, I don't think... That, <laughs> no, I don't. And I mean, and I, I would say that about our, all of the... All seven of them or eight of them. Like, it's it's a... Like, I started... My first kind of real jobs were in animation. And the coolest part about writing, like, a Pixar or a Disney movie is the characters can kind of do anything because there's not this human limitation. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. not a human limitation. So, like, I kind of feel like that when we're writing for these guys now. Like, I feel very comfortable writing a very intensive monologue for any of them that's a page and a half long and that has elements of funny and then touching. I trust, I know they can all deliver stuff without it becoming overly saccharine. Um, And then I know that there's, like, high wire act stuff. And that's the great pleasure of this show is, like, surprising people. And so I think, like, 
oh, it's surprising to learn X about this character that I didn't see. Oh, it's a, it's surprising to see this color on a character that I never knew existed. Um, and so, yeah, it's a real gift. It's like being given like a bunch of sports cars and taking away the speed limit. You know what I mean? And like, and just saying like, do whatever you want. And I, I do feel that like, uh, the five, the seven of them, it's they're so extraordinary. I felt like in the first season of the show, uh, you know, because of the nature of the roles that their characters had to have, I felt like sometimes like Justin as Kevin and Rebecca, uh, Kate, Mandy as Rebecca, didn't have as much of that stuff. You know what I mean? And I felt like it was such a gift this year to be able to kind of like just turn them completely loose and and. Mm. Uh, and like and now like moving forward like because like and like while still i think i hope one of the things i'm most proud of like having all the other characters remain loose and like like that like sterling and milo and chrissy all having that they're not taking a dip but like Mm -hmm. really being able to kind of showcase all of them and now kind of continuing as we move forward to give more to like sully and as toby and and susan as beth even more and more and more but also like give these like kind of moments for guest stars who surprise you and all of that kind of stuff. It's really exciting. I'm talking too much. No, <laughs> no not at all. It's all, Never. it's all good. Never. But I think that's it because I think we're in this world and we feel comfortable spending time with anyone yeah. in that world. I mean, yeah. look at Deja and what yeah. she's blossomed into. Yeah. Was that something you always had in mind about exploring more about that character? I knew that a character that would come into their lives in a different way would be a big part of their story always because of Rit Randall's background the little the girl lyric playing the girl oh. altered our plan a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she that I was like we have we have something extraordinary here that has fallen into our laps, and it was always going to be a big part of the story. I, it was the actress who I think dictated how much we were going to do and do moving forward. Um, that was one of those unexpected surprises that just catches you off guard. Like you found a prodigy, an untrained prodigy who delivers something on TV that you're not quite seeing or getting anywhere else. And she doesn't even hardly knows what she's doing with it. It's natural inherent ability. So that's really, really exciting. And Mandy, for you too, I mean, you work with, you're probably the only one who works with all the actors and the the cast members. But I think I was watching some of the scenes with you and the teenage kids. I mean, your scene about, you know, breaking the news to them, I mean, it's such a burden on you, but also, like, they have to really deliver. That's a hard emotional place for them to tap into. I mean, Hannah and Niles and Logan are extraordinary. They, and as are, are the littles as well, the 10-year-olds. Um, I love that you call them the littles. The littles, the littles and the teens. <laughs> they're getting really tall. I know, they're actually, I'm, like, I'm, I feel like they're I, pretty much I, I'm freaking out every time I see them on Instagram or something. I'm like, Jesus, Stop how tall going. are they getting? I know, Parker and Lottie, Mackenzie. Mackenzie's, like, I know. as tall as Hannah now. Um, they're, they're all extraordinary, and I think the benefit of doing a, a, a show like this is they only grow more and more comfortable with us, with the process, with the characters, and I feel like this season really gave them the opportunity to step up and shine as well. Like, I yeah. was blown away. I, I'm blown away by them always, but I think, you know, how, how, you know, how much pressure was sort of put on everybody in a sense, probably pressure that we, we put on ourselves more so for these, these episodes around Jack's death um, just watching them and their process, like they, they, everybody sort of collectively and individually sort of had their own way of getting into that, that frame of mind. But to bear witness to it was, 
it made me feel like a proud parent, you know? <laughs> and, and Milo and I are always sort of trying to impart on them, like, how lucky we are to all be a part of this job and, you know, that we've been doing this for 20 years or 15 years or mm -hmm. something, and this is the best job that either of us have ever had. And so, like, maybe this is their first job, but this is something to really harness and appreciate while it's all unfolding. And I don't think it's lost on, on them. They, they know how, how lucky they are to be a part of a project like this. And they take their work really seriously. And I think it, it translates. I think they, they all, they're just extraordinary. And watching them, again, like having grown into these characters as well, it's really remarkable. Their growth is, I mean, the, the honest truth is when we first scripted these kids, um, in my mind's eye, they were possibly a little bit younger. And the truth of the matter is, for that first episode, which was like episode six of season one, we had actually cast, mm -hmm. started the process of casting slightly younger kids. And I started realizing in the longevity of the show and some of the more adult stuff I want to explore that we needed more of a separation mm -hmm. um, with the kids. And we actually cast those kids, and I knew they were going to be a big part in the series, but when you're moving quickly and on the network television schedule, like we're sitting in my little screening room at our offices here right now, we had become this behemoth of a show already. It was starting. And we were very up against it with, like, shooting an episode and airing it. It was that washing machine episode. Yeah, where we remember. We go to a different time period with the kids for mm -hmm. the first time. And these kids came in, and we did a normal casting mm -hmm. session here. And, like, with a lot of them, the, the resemblance was, like, so severe. With all three of those kids had not just the manner but the look, so they kind of walked in, and you were like, "Oh my god!" Like undeniable. Uh, like, Hannah, uh, Hannah, Hannah and, is amazing, and 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 Logan and and Niles has something in him that is so inherently sterling. Mm -hmm. um, be, beyond look, not looks, but there's an ener there's the something way he carries in the energy. Himself. You can character. see him becoming that character. You see yeah. him becoming mm -hmm. that character, and then Logan looks so much like Kevin. So they walked in, and they were all very capable of doing the small part in that episode. I think I even wrote extra monologue, little stuff for them. Mm -hmm. But there was no time. There was no process. And we cast them. And then it was kind of like in the course of the first season, just like, oh, let's give them a little more. Let's see how much they can handle. And they were handling it. And then suddenly I'm like, wow, we're heading into this time period where the key question of the show is going to have to be driven in this time period by these kids. Yeah. And who's, who's like, we just haven't tested their growth. And I, I attribute a lot of it to like being around Mandy and Milo all the time as they're watching a certain type of actor who are kind, but they also have a process and they're serious about it. And it's, you know, they work it and they don't just, I know a lot of brilliant actors who come to set and are naturally unbelievable. And then they say cut and they're continuing the conversation they had off camera. And, and none of our actors are like that, but also none of them are like Daniel Day-Lewis who come as Mr. Lincoln, you know what I mean? Like, and, the, and the whole thing. And so I think they've learned a lot about process and acting. I think they've gotten to work with, Ken Olin and John and Glenn, are, who are pr prominent directors who direct, you know, 10 of the episodes this mm -hmm. season. Yeah. So they have really good people working with, and they're just naturally talented. But their curve has been extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it's this very popular show that gazillion people are watching. And, I mean, they are screaming and crying through a fire and acting out grief and loss, and they're doing it impeccably on a stage with Mandy and Milo and Sterling and Chrissy and Justin and Susan and Sully. And that's not easy. Yeah, I remember like shooting the, when we were out shooting all the, the fire stuff for the Super Bowl episode, 
you know, it's like we're freezing. Yeah. Uh, the whole crew is like bundled up and in front of like heaters and stuff, and we're in in pajamas and jeans and stuff. And it's like one in the morning, and we're trying to stay awake, and we've been shooting all night, and you know, we're crying and screaming, and the house is ablaze, and we're screaming for Jack, and you you have to sort of work yourself up emotionally. And I'm looking at these two guys, and, like, it's it's not easy work for anybody, no matter how you slice it. And I'm looking at these two, like, teenagers who just, like, jumped aboard this, this you know, show, and they're, they're like, right there with me. Yeah. They're toe-to-toe. It's like, we're all in it together, and it it's just, it's, that's something to, like, acknowledge and celebrate. Yeah. Like, they're, they're really, really incredible guys. I mean, that opening ten minutes is so harrowing. We watched it in the theater at a screening the other night, the opening fire sequence, and John and Glenn did such a remarkable job, and Milo is, like, just, like, a superstar pulling off, you know, all of that, that mm-hmm. stunt and the rhythm of it and all of it. But, like, you can't underestimate, like, this 18-year-old girl who came into my office, auditioned for one small part and jumped on this motherload of a ship who is screaming and crying and going, Daddy, I don't want to go out there. And why it's a huge part of the reason why you're sitting there with such tension is him getting that little girl out of that yeah. room. Yeah. And it's like, and, and no and one's going to And being able then talk. to flash to Chrissy's character present oh, day right, and like exactly. recognizing their relationship. Yeah. And yeah, it's extraordinary. They all are extraordinary. It puts it all so much in context. And it, and the, then the scene too where you're breaking the news to them. I mean, I love the way that it goes silent because it's like you yeah. almost can't hear it. I yeah. can't hear it's too it. much. It's, you know, it's too much. And that's kind of in my experience how like I always I, I find that moment with Mandy and Miguel, that speech that Mandy gives to to me it's like one of maybe I think it's our most powerful moment we've ever had on the show for me. And and I don't talk about like all the crying and how much people are crying. Like in terms of raw visceral emotional power, like to me there's always something about somebody like holding back emotion right. that is so emotional mm-hmm. and finding power in the the something so heroic in the small movements of life. And there was something about the first time I saw it and I can't take credit for it. It was just like it was the way it was cut by our editors and our directors like Mandy making that speech and then walking in determined to do this right, recognizing that this is the moment that will end her children's adolescence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that moment when you cut inside to them and we kind of slowed things down and the sound is dropped away and they look up and you can almost see her saying the equivalent of like to the Randall's friend, can I have a moment with the guys? Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, I'm watching the moment that changes their entire lives right now. And it's not about the dialogue. It's about like, and the only person aware in the whole world that she's about to end it is the woman delivering the news. I find such power and yeah. grace in it. And there's something so human about it because otherwise, what else are you going to do? Like, I, I don't know people who have lost in that kind of way with young children, but like somebody has to be the person to tell them. Yeah. And like, that's going to be the remaining parent and it's, and what that must be like for anyone. And so I don't know. I just, I think it's, no, I think you captured it. Yeah. 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 Um, what's a powerful scene for you? What moment sort of stands out from you over the course of the season? Oh man. Um, not for me personally, but just to sort of elaborate on what you were saying earlier, I I, I think one of my favorite uh, episodes of the entire series is the first episode of the trilogy that we did this year, Um, and that's Kevin's sort of story um, around, you know, right before he loses Jack. Uh, I just, I think Justin, I, I love that it really gave people an opportunity to see how phenomenally talented he is and I think 
I've said this many times before too. I just, I think people look at a character like Kevin and how effortless Justin makes it look and sort of seamless. And it's hard to maybe like delineate, is he just being himself? Cause like he's this handsome, charming, funny actor and maybe that's who he is in real life. And, um, but I just to see that different shade um, and the vulnerability and the pain for the first time, someone who's so good at sort of glossing over all of that and, and sort of uses other tools in his toolbox to sort of cope in life, mm. to s- sort of see that for the first time is, and the way that Justin delivers and the, I mean, the, the script and how Ken directed it, like all of it, I just, I, I am blown away. Like that's, that's one episode that I've seen more than once, which is saying a lot, yeah. um, but I just think it speaks to like how phenomenal Justin is. When I saw that scene that everybody talks about, like on the front lawn, like where he's like, saying I'm in pain and asking for his necklace back. I remember, like, I was watching it, and, I, like, you step outside of, like, that you're working on the show. I remember actively thinking to myself, like, God, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever that is, the way he's breaking on that front lawn, I've never seen it. The way mm-hmm. the this, this big guy breaking down in such an... There's nothing false about it. The way his voice is cracking, all the the nuance of the details, and just all of it. Like I remember actively thinking, like, "Wow, I don't think I've ever seen yeah. that." And like, when do you get to say that anymore? And right. like, like doing what we all do for a living. I'm sure. like, I've not seen that on screen in that way. And I was like, um, but I yeah. think that's the trick of the show is there yeah. are so many of those moments. Yeah, you could say that about so many moments throughout the like the course of these last two seasons, but. For sure, that is a, a highlight one. for me. Another one for me is uh, between Chrissy and Mandy. Uh, the after she has her miscarriage, it, that like people talk about the crying of the show, and it's I've always like I'm glad that people are talking about our show. I've there's always been a part of me where it's like I I think I what we're trying I'm, what I'm trying to do is not just we're trying not to make people cry we're trying to move people in whatever form that is whether make them feel something and if that leads to crying sure but I also want them to feel joy and sadness and happiness and other things but but a moment that made me cry from the moment we started talking about it was the moment of Rebecca showing up at at Kate's door after the miscarriage at, like unexpectedly it, unexpectedly mm-hmm. like and when the first time I saw that because I'd been I really always said that's going to be a center of our season this relationship because to me that was like Chrissy the work Chrissy's done as an actor and on that character and then the work the two of them together have done to set up that relationship but really what Chrissy's brought and then what when Rebecca's there it took my breath away the first time I saw the first cut of it like I was like oh wow I can't even handle this like Mm. it was like and to me, it was all about the relationship that the two of them had built together in the course of the series. So I found that really to be like one of the powerhouse moments of the season. I think all of your relationships with your adult children are so interesting. I mean, we yeah. obviously saw what, you know, what happened with Randall in the first season. And now in the second season, we got to see a little bit more like, you know, you coming to terms with Justin and yeah. Kevin. Yeah. That was another standout yeah, moment for me, too, is the therapy scene <laughs> was just, like, it was a beast, but in the best possible way. It's, like, how often are you ever going to have, like, an 11-minute take of, like, you know, pages upon pages of dialogue with just, a, like, a dynamite room of people who are just, like, keep you on your toes. Like, you had no way not to, to like, step up and be on your A-game that day at work. It was... Uh, yeah, I mean, my friend directed that one, uh, who does a bunch of our episodes, Chris Koch, 
and he had called me after and he's been doing this a while and he was like not not saying anything even he was like your cast is unbelievable he had brought in three cameras that day so that it could be as like long takes as possible getting all the performances as much as possible and he was just like they're on they're unbelievable like i had takeaways of that sequence being like you know for the first half of the scene sterling is pretty silent he's raging internally as his as his brother kind of oh. blames his upbringing on everything and i was like at first i'm going oh my god sterling is and then he starts activating and as always it's like off the charts next level yes but i'm like he's so good at, he, he has such command of his craft that like he is sitting there in silence and I can cut to him at any moment while other characters are talking it. and know every single thing that is going on in his head and yeah. he's not speaking yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he is so good. And then you go on this rhythm where you're like, him and Kevin are going at it and you're like, oh my God, look at what Justin is right doing right now because he is going toe-to-toe with Sterling and you feel and empathize for both of them yeah. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And like, you shouldn't be able to identify with Kevin as much as Randall, but you are in both ways and you're blaming and shaking and, and hating and loving both of them. And then it gets to this end point with Mandy. And you're like, to me, that was, that was a uh, Vera and Elizabeth who worked on the script, like incredible writing. And then you were just watching like five great actors do a stage play. I mean, there's That's nothing. That's how it felt. It yeah. was like after each take, you sort of like let your guard down and took a breath, but then it was like, okay, coach, like put me back in. I'm ready. Like I'm ready for more. It was so like exciting. We fed off of each other's energy. Yeah. Like it was, it was a, a powerful day in every sense. Cause then I had all that other stuff with, um, with Kevin, Kevin, like at yeah, the end with Justin and I'm, I'm not used to working with them in that capacity either. Like they all have much more of a rapport together because they're used to like being around each other on set way more. Usually when I'm with them, it's like a little bit more one-on-one. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry. Um, it's more one-on-one or there's some sort of like Thanksgiving scene or it's Christmas. or So the fact that like it was so concentrated and there was nothing to sort of dilute or take away from, from the topic at hand mm-hmm. um, was, uh, it was, and, it was powerful. And Chrissy in that scene. And then like, like Sterling came into my office the next day and I was like, how was yesterday Koch? Our director said it was incredible. And he was just like, as only Sterling can. Like, he was like pounding on my desk. <laughs> and, you know, and he's going like, he's going, oh. he's like, Mandy Moore is not fucking playing. <laughs> and he's doing like his whole thing. And he's like, he was like yelling at me. I'm like, I know. And he's like, and Chrissy, he's like, holy shit. He's like, and he's like, and he's like, he's pacing around my office. He's like, Justin. And he's just like going on and on. And it was like, it's high praise from Sterling. And, yeah. Because he doesn't yeah. get all the guys all at once. He'll get moments, a lot of moments with Justin and some moments with Chrissy and some moments with Mandy, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. And so like, I remember the next day him coming into my office and he was just like so overwhelmed by Cyrus Spit, by everybody's <laughs> talent. He was really like overwhelmed by it. By He sees it every weekend, but you never know. You're like you know, what's editing? What's this? And then he's seeing it live in 11 minute sequence. And he's like, holy shit. Like everyone's really good at this. That, you was, know? that was a real highlight for me. Yeah. That, that scene. Yeah. It was fun. Write more of those. They could do it. This whole cast, you <laughs> could, write more of this those. could, this could have been, there's another version of this, which could have been a much fancier with a better writer, but like high fluent play with all these guys on stage for like three hours. Mm-hmm. And it could have been like 
a very f- and they would have won like play awards. Tony's Tony. 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 <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> all the play awards. They could have all of the play awards. No, I, I just think they're that like gifted as like actors with oh, dialogue. Like mm-hmm. they, but they are. But th- that's like the whole show. There's not a lot happening. People are just talking. And so it's really so. Why the words are so important. The words are good. I mean, I think that's it. Like, you find yourself relating to all these characters because, you know, we've all got families and you just find yourself identifying, like, I've been in that situation. And if not, I've heard about it or I can relate to it or I can understand it. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to the point you made earlier about surprises, I think it's one of the things you do well is that you don't deliver twists for twists' sake. It's Mm -hmm. not just the Randall and Tess twist. Again, not twist, but surprise again. That was totally earned. You were like, yeah, I got that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I understand. I understand why I was misled. I completely understand why I was misled. But that was a completely earned one. Yeah, I mean, it was also, I think, a big thing we, like, you know, we came into the show with, like, big aspirations. Like, um, there are always going to be those cynics out there who will, this will just never be a show for them. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I can't do anything about that. But I came in with big aspirations to make this one that would, like, that would la- that would sta- that would not overstay its welcome. That would hopefully stand the test of time when people talk about television, like just in the big that people will remember the show in the right way. That was my hope. Mm. And so, in order to do that for this particular type of show, you have to know where you're going. Like you have to know the plan. So then twists are earned because they were not just kind of kitchen sink thrown in because of it, but because you knew you were going there. The the t- the future twist in, in the Super Bowl episode was. It was part of the the pitch of the pilot. Like when I handed people the script, they were like, "This is great, but what is the series going to be? I don't understand." Now you're they're the parents, and they're not just another couple. Mm. And I would say, you know, the plan is this, and then halfway through the second season, we're going to reveal a future time period, and you're going to realize the story progresses in that way too. And then we're going to tell the story of the family in a way that, like, it's except for a fire and one death. There's not, you know it's pretty normal American human middle-class existence. Like there's love and loss and divorce and upset and children and family and all the things that come. If you know the path of the family over 40 years, it's not as twist as much as just like revealing what happens to the family out of order. Sometimes can really provide a lot of like end game points that then are interesting to get to, Mm -hmm. but we're not manufacturing Melrose place where, you know, things, I'm constantly struck in our writer's room. It's one of the things that fascinates me so much is one of the, there's two things we're always mindful of on the show, right? It's number one, I try and kind of keep balanced on my meter of where sentiment and heart ends and where you get into saccharine. And my meter admittedly is more, I have more tolerance for it than a cynic would, but hopefully more like less than a complete sap. And, (laughs) and, And I try and follow that. And we have a big system of checks and balances for that. And then the other one is, always saying, like, I want to make sure nothing ever gets too soap opery, like where there's too many things. But what I'm constantly struck by is we have a large group of writers who are all normal people from very differing backgrounds. And when you hear anybody's story, like, our lives are chock full of all this stuff. Somebody has a story with having children, adopting, getting pregnant, difficulties getting pregnant, illness, death, tragedy, loss strained, complicated relationships with their parents that all of which would seem like if you were doing it in a TV show, you would go, uh, it's too much. But that is like within any person's lives. Mm-hmm. If you break it down to the details, like our lives all sound fucking crazy. Yeah. Yes. And like, and like, but and the, when we're normal people, this isn't all like 
famous like presidential candidates. It's like normal, regular people. Their mm-hmm. lives are extraordinary. Raised by an aunt who they thought there was their mother, and their parents divorced, and they didn't talk to their father for twenty years, and their mother got a disease when they were thirty years old, or beat it and didn't beat it, and alcoholism and drug addiction, and a period of time when they learned somebody in their family was bipolar. And this all sounds nuts, but it's part of our human condition. Mm-hmm. And so that's always that's been something that's been really uh, like fascinating to me. Um, it's very rare that you find a person. What I'm finding is most rare is the person, and it happens a lot, but I think it's more rare to hear if a person goes, my story isn't that interesting. I come from a nuclear family. Nothing really terrible has happened to me. Nothing really good. I've had a good kind of down the middle, straightforward life. Is very, is much more rare than a yes. person who's got a tale to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You no, know, everyone's got a secret or everyone's got something yeah. that they've experienced. I think yeah. that's what the show reflects. Mm-hmm. I know too, I think you were, you know, and we've talked about this before, like the whole fervor over Jack's death sort of took you by surprise. How does it feel to have sort of been able to tell that story and now be able to move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a relief for the cast not to have to talk through it. I mean, now now we have another whole other thing coming with everybody's going, where was old Randall going at the end of season two? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I, the Jack thing never bothered me. I felt bad for the cast who can never answer the question all the time. If, um, I was afraid that I was, like, I'm not a drinker, but I was yeah. like, what if I get drunk and, like, spill the beans or, like, talk in my sleep or something? Like, or go to a sushi restaurant. Or go to yeah. a sushi restaurant and tell the whole plot line for I, season three. I would get so many texts from individual cast members like, hey, I hope I didn't mess up. Sorry. I hope I didn't mess up, but I, did, I said X during an interview. I'm like, it's fine. To me, like, the mystery, like... There's a lot of television on right now, and to compel people to give up an hour of time to watch anything right now in the midst of their lives when there's so many options um, and with any kind of urgency so that people are keeping up with the timeline as we're telling the story, like that's a complicated thing. We don't add mystery to make that happen, but it is a thing that is part and parcel of this show, which I think has created an urgency and a water cooler nature of it to the show that... I never would have expected for a show that was ultimately just a family dramedy about people. Whatever, the time device in the show that was part of its construct, I did not expect for it to be creating this who shot JR kind of <laughs> mentality about so many things. But like, it's definitely like not something like it's easy to say, like, I'm so glad that's over so we don't have to talk about it anymore. But like, it never bothered me because it meant people cared and yeah. we're, we're having an urgency to learn something. And now we have it going forward. I think by the time we run out of that stuff, the show will be over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a bad thing. I think where shows like this can suffer is like they're trying to extend indefinitely because there's a lot of money in it or other things. And and now the quality suffers, mm-hmm. not because like the original people are gone, not because nobody cares anymore, but because there's a finite amount of that stuff that you can believably accomplish. And so I think that's something we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah. What's the craziest fan theory you've heard? There was like some weird theory that had to do with like nine eleven. The t- that the timeline just did not line the up. Ti- <laughs> I, I did read that one. I was like, God, if the timeline had lined up, that would have been a really surprising thing. And we already knew what the end was. Because I, I read a book like that once, where it's like you're following a whole story and you realize it was getting to nine eleven. You're like, whoa. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a crazy. That, one. Did you hear any weird fan theories? I heard one that, like, towards the end of the year. That was like uh, Beth. Deja kills Beth, <laughs> and that's Whoa. and like and and Deja is awaiting trial for first degree murder, and that's what 
future Tess doesn't want to go see. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, I couldn't even dark. I couldn't imagine my brain even going there. But like, yeah, I, I heard one like yeah, that's, that. That seems a little awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, like the the like cable version of the show or something. Yeah. Sully's favorite was always that Miguel killed Jack before we revealed how Jack died. That there was going to be a reveal that Miguel killed Jack. And then I ended up with him you somehow? marry him? That, but you don't no. know. Oh. oh. So I was going to shoot for our gag reel. One of the things I thought of shooting was uh, like that final beautiful like scene of Milo shutting down the kitchen mm-hmm. before the before the fire starts. <laughs> I was going to have him like turn off the fire, final light and go upstairs and then just for the gag reel within the same scene have John Huertas as Miguel sneak into the house and go and turn on the slow cooker. <laughs> And then sneak back out, and, this, and the whole thing was just a long con to get Rebecca, <laughs> kill his best friend. I thought it would have been a funny like gag reel. But... You guys should have done yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think I just ran out of energy. I was like, I, I'm too tired. I can't do this for a gag for like my Twitter account. It's like ten people, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars of expense. <laughs> So how far have you arced? You've, you've said that you know what the, fi- where the final is, finale is, sorry. I do. I mean, we just, actually, we just talked Mandy through the broad strokes of like the rest of the series upstairs because mm-hmm. she'd come into the writer's room. But yeah, we have it pretty, it's, it's all mapped out. Obviously, like the specifics are more mapped out for the next season and a half, but we know you have to know the broad strokes where you're going to live in time periods and what the big storylines are going to be and and some of the major details and marking posts so like in season one i kind of knew through season two and a half the great details and through season x for all of it and we still know through season x but now those details are getting pushed seasons back a little bit um so we're kind of to the end does that help you play it knowing where the end game is yeah i mean i think we Dan is, has always been really great about giving us, like, as much information as we need. And, like, he's constantly a resource, as are the, the rest of the writers as well, to, like, if there are questions or ideas or comments or something, you guys are always available to, to answer those questions. But we, I feel like we all sort of have, like, a strong and thorough kind of working knowledge of, of where we're going, ultimately. And is there one thing you want to see, particularly for Rebecca? Um, I mean, I am curious about how Miguel and Rebecca yeah. get together. I feel like that's going to be a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> journey <laughs> into that relationship. It is. It's 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 always really excited me. I've always told John Huertas and Mandy that like and what's interesting and exciting for me is by no means are people ready to see Rebecca embark on any kind of a new relationship with anybody right now, but I will say like you can feel there being I I can see that where we're going to go is going to work. I know yeah. it in my mind's eye because yeah. I can see in the smallest of ways, like people the people warming him. on yeah. him once, not only once they knew that he didn't come, but the way we're going to execute it. And that he didn't murder Jack. That he didn't murder Jack. <laughs> and the hole in Rebecca and the way she spoke, spoken about the kind of different form of more mature love she found in a later chapter in her life with him. All of those things in the journey they're about to go on and Miguel's responsibility and love of his friend and this a growing love of this woman. I believe it will be our greatest magic trick. It's not going to ever be the uh, the perfect kind of from birth love story of Jack and Rebecca, but that's often not what second marriages Absolutely. are after a loss, nor has it ever been what we've tried to sell that they are. But there's that powerful moment last year when Rebecca says to uh, Kevin, 
like what I found in Miguel is different and it's quieter. Yeah. But like I am happy. Yeah. Which is a very hard thing for her to admit to her son that I found very impactful. Um, and I think building that's going to be really exciting. It won't be explosive in the same way that Jack and Rebecca are naturally explosive, where they're speaking in these big missives about love and destiny and soulmates. But I think that it's going to be like, it's a really great challenge for us. And I think we're, I, I believe it's going to work really well. That's what I'm most excited yeah. about. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll let you guys get back to it. Thank Thanks, you so Deborah. much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank Likewise. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking about Homeland with star Claire Danes. See you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.